Sun Life Community Church came into being as the result of a compelling vision for a different kind of church, interested in what we call the Sun Life, experiencing and sharing the life of God's Son. Perhaps your heart is burdened these days. We invite you to allow the Word of God through the words of this message to bring rest to your soul and joy to your heart. Let's bow together, shall we? Our Heavenly Father, it's your exalted Son we praise. You who waited until the fullness of time to send him into this world. You wait again. You wait again until you shall send him to become King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Establish a kingdom upon this earth. Father, we focus upon that this morning. There's a promise waiting its fulfillment. Stir our hearts. Encourage us with it. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. Well, as we've mentioned before, this is our first Sunday in Advent. And Advent is the season when we anticipate the celebration of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. This season, beginning the first Sunday in November, extending for two months, we are examining and focusing our attention upon Jesus as the promise of the ages. And certainly in one way or another, Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of every single promise God the Father has ever made. This Christmas season, we're identifying eight, eight such promises that Jesus Christ has fulfilled. So far, we've identified three. We have seen that Jesus is the devil destroyer. Someday we will be done with the devil, thanks to Jesus Christ. Can we say amen to that? Jesus is the devil destroyer that was promised to Adam and Eve. Jesus is the perfect sacrifice promised to Abraham and Isaac. Jesus is the spokesman for God, the prophet promised by Moses. Today we add to our list promise number four, represented by this package here, and the note says, the promise of the ages, promise four, found in Ezekiel Chapter 37, verses 24 and 25, and here's the promise. God says, And David, my servant, shall be king over them. And they will have one shepherd, and my servant David will be their prince forever. Now, it's interesting. That was written by Ezekiel, who lived years after King David. And so God, God is pointing out that there's another one who will come bearing the heritage 
bearing, as it were, the name of David, who will be a world ruler. That's the promise. Not just a ruler of the Jews, but a world ruler. Now, that's indeed a promise for the ages, and it will be fulfilled by the one who is the promise of the ages, Jesus Christ himself. Now, many, many years went by after Ezekiel gave that forward-looking promise. Someone like David, someone in the heritage of David, will come and be this servant of God, one shepherd. He'll be king over all, prince, all these terms. The Apostle John, near the end of his life, received the privilege of identifying Jesus as that one. In his marvelous book of Revelation, chapter 1, verse 5, here John identifies Jesus Christ as the ruler of the kings of the earth. That phrase goes beyond anything the Old Testament talked about. The Old Testament talked about Jesus primarily being, or the one to come, as the king of the Jews, the ruler over God's people. But John here is given a glimpse that goes beyond anything he as a Jewish man had previously understood, that Jesus Christ, looking ahead to the end of days, Jesus Christ would be the ruler of the kings of the earth. Jesus Christ is the one who would come in David's name and who would bring fulfillment to the role initially given to David. What a day for mankind that will be. Now I want to share with you, a thought went through my mind as I got that far in this message, that there, here's an amazing thing. A thing that we Americans, by nature and by declaration, notably the Declaration of Independence, something that we Americans emphatically, persistently resist. You see, God anticipates and has actually promised the formation of a one-world government, a worldwide empire under the authority of his chosen servant, his glorified son, Jesus Christ. God the Father is the ultimate globalist. It's part of his plan for mankind. We Americans resist that. The whole concept of it. We're our own sovereign nation. We don't bow down, knuckle under to anyone. We declare ourselves to be independent of everything else. Well, God is saying there's coming a day when his son will rule over one world government. Now, there's a tricky part to this because the Bible tells us Lucifer or Satan, the devil, is also a globalist. And at the head of his one world order is not Jesus Christ but is the anti-Christ. And according to the book of Revelation that we've just studied at some length, Satan's world order, his one world order, will come into being before God's does. 
So we American Christians generally resist. We resist any steps that would prepare the way for the Antichrist to emerge, even while we anticipate the glorious kingdom that Jesus will one day establish on this earth. So we could easily say, we could easily say that the United States of America is and has been the restrainer on the rise of the Antichrist that the Apostle Paul spoke of in his second letter to the Thessalonians. Paul says that day will not come unless until that or he which is restraining is taken out of the way. And so a thought went through my mind. Our whole nation is a restraint. As long as we remain independent, as long as we remain true to God, as long as we resist the very things that would lead to the rise and the influence of the Antichrist, God's plan's on hold. Now, I'm not saying we should all become progressives. I'm just saying that's the facts. And that God has used this country in a powerful way to restrain evil in this world. And he's still doing it. But we also know how the story ends. And we also know that we've searched through the book of Revelation and we can't find our names there anywhere. The United States of America. So what we're doing is jumping into the future, and we're not quite sure how we're going to get to that future, but there will come a day when there will be one world government, and Jesus Christ will be the head of it. And it's going to be an awesome day. We frequently call that the millennial kingdom of Jesus Christ, a thousand-year reign. Now, one thing for sure, one way or another, the restraint in time will be lifted. And Satan's short-lived empire of evil will arise, which will trigger all the events depicted in the book of Revelation, culminating, here's the good news, in the return of Jesus Christ. And the establishment of his kingdom and the beginning of his reign as the world ruler that God has promised to sin. And this morning, I just want us to think about what a world ruler he's going to be. See, long years ago, in fact, some 2,600 years ago, God opened the prophet Isaiah's eyes to see and to catch a glimpse of just what this world ruler would be like. We now know it's Jesus Christ. But what will he be like when he comes to reign over this whole world? Well, let's see the promised world ruler through Isaiah's eyes. Here we go. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. These are familiar. They've been set to music. They're part of Handel's Messiah. But here we go, verse 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. See, the government. He'll be in charge. It'll be on his shoulders. 
his responsibility, and he will be called. Now, none of these names will the Antichrist ever be called. But these are names that Jesus Christ will be called by those who are under his rule and who love him and are benefiting by his rule, and they will call him Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Isaiah goes on to say, Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. When God sets his mind to something, when God puts all his energy behind something, it happens. And it happens in a glorious way. This morning, I want us to just walk our way a bit through this incredible prophecy of this coming, this promised world ruler. Note the reputation that he will gain. Isaiah said he will be called. See, people call other people things all the time based upon what they do, their reputation. So it's not far off to say, let's, let's note the reputation that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, King of kings, Lord of lords, when he comes to reign, what kind of things will people say about him? We're going to look at him one by one. First thing, he will be known by all those over whom he governs as a wonderful counselor. I just put here a wise and compassion, compassionate listener and guide. Have any of those in your life? It'd be little w, little c, but just a wonderful counselor. A wonderful counselor is wonderful because, first off, he or she will listen to you. And they just want to know. They just want to know you. They just want to know what you're talking about. They want to know what you're, you're concerned about, what you need help with. They listen. And you feel like they really know you. So then when they give you guidance, when they give you counsel, you never say, what do you know about it? That's fine for you to say, you don't really know what I'm feeling. No, they've already listened, and they've listened with the ear of God, and they absolutely do know. And when they finally give you some advice, you say, boy, she or he really knows me. Knows that's exactly what strikes my heart, and my own heart says that's what I need to do and want to do. Jesus is like that. He will be a wonderful counselor. Jesus did some of that when he walked upon the earth, before he was the, in this exalted Lord that would be returning. When he walked upon the earth, Matthew 7, 24, we read this, Jesus says, everyone... Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house upon a rock. Jesus wants to counsel us today by words he's already said. And he said wonderful words. I encourage you last week to get back into the Gospels. Read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. That's the bulk of Jesus' teachings all put together in a package. 
These are really guidelines for the kingdom that is to come. People will live like that. And he as the king will say, this is the way we live in our kingdom. Read them. Put those words into practice. And you'll be like a wise person who's, who's solid in this life. Nothing will really knock you off kilter. Doesn't that remind you of the days of Solomon, perhaps Israel's greatest king, when it says kings and queens came from afar to hear his wisdom? The queen of Sheba was one of them, remember? They came from afar to hear his wisdom and to see the magnificence of his kingdom. Someday the entire earth will be ordered according to the principles Jesus taught. Like I mentioned, they're collected together best in the Sermon on the Mount. Imagine that. Taught in every school. There's going to be schools during the Millennial Kingdom. Kids are not going to be born already knowing everything they need to know. They're still going to be human beings born into a fallen world, and they're going to need to be educated. They're going to need to be taught. And the powers that be, namely Jesus Christ, will say, these children need to know the things I've taught and the things I've said. And so they will be the way life is in the kingdom taught in every school, honored by every human being, applied in every human interaction. Jesus, as world ruler, will be a wonderful counselor, a teacher and guide, a listener. Secondly, Isaiah said he will be called mighty God, a powerful being who can control all the forces of nature. Remember when Jesus was in the boat with his disciples? And the storm came up, the squall, and the boat was about to be swamped. And the disciples yelled out and said, don't you care if we drown? They wake him up. He stirs himself. He stands up and says, stop. And the wind stopped. And the waves got down to just mere ripples. And the disciples said, Mark 4:41, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. He's the mighty God. What would it be like to have a world ruler who could control the forces of nature? What would it be like to have a world ruler who could send a potentially destructive hurricane back out to sea where it would just blow itself out? What would it be like if a world leader, by a word, could render something like the coronavirus completely innocuous, harmless, no big deal, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great to have a world leader who really was the mighty God and could control all the forces of nature to the benefit of the people under his dominion? You see, Isaiah said something like that's going to happen because he will be recognized by all as being divine, as the mighty God. He will, in fact, be everything the Antichrist had only claimed to be. No one on their own would doubt his ability and power, let alone think of opposing him. 
He's the mighty God. I can sense Isaiah's growing exuberance as he continues to tell of the names the informed will attribute to the Lord Jesus Christ. In addition to being called Wonderful Counselor and Mighty God, he will be called the Everlasting Father. He's the one in whom we find our true identity. Remember when Jesus said to his disciples and just said to people who got very upset with him, he said, I and the Father are one. We're the same. We're not the same person. I pray to him. He's the Father. I'm the Son. But we are the same. We are one. When you feel my love, you feel his love. When you see the way that I deal with people, you see the way he deals with people. And so this one, Jesus, the exalted Son of God, sitting on the throne someday over all the world, can rightly be called, well, he's, it's like the everlasting fathers right here. We will never come to a place where we say, I've gotten to know Jesus really, really well, but I sure don't know the Father much. Jesus would say, just like he said to Philip, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's what we have here, John 14, 9. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So Isaiah, looking from the past forward, where the whole divine family, you might say, blends together in one glorious divinity, he says, and he will be the everlasting Father. They will discover that relationship with him. They will discover that they become children of God through faith and trust in the Son of God, and they're, they're part of the family. Part of the family. And when they draw close to Jesus, they draw close to the Father and enjoy true fellowship with him. And as they enjoy the experience of that millennial kingdom with Jesus on the throne, on this old cursed earth, they will begin to anticipate the day when in the new heaven and on the new earth, the Father himself will be fellowshipping with all those who are here. Just like it says in Revelation. Well, now here's a fourth and final thing that I'm sure thrilled Isaiah. It says he shall be called the Prince of Peace. I just say they're the one in whom our hearts can truly rest. John 14, verse 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. In the kingdom over which Jesus Christ will reign, peace will be everyone's heart condition. Nothing will challenge that peace. The devil will be locked away. The conditions on earth will be under Jesus' control. The sinful flesh of man, I believe, will be relatively sedated. Have you ever felt what it's like for your flesh to kind of go to sleep a little bit? Does it sometimes happen on a Sunday morning? 
where you are worshiping God right here, where you sing the songs and you get caught up in, in what someone is doing. You get caught up in hearing the word of God and letting that become your primary thoughts. And it, it's almost like my flesh went to sleep for a while. I haven't had any ugly thoughts. I haven't had any sinful impulses. I haven't had any, any of that stuff that sometimes I have to battle with during the week. But there are those moments where... It's like somebody gave it an injection and it just was sedated for a while. Isn't that a nice moment when it happens? I believe in the millennial kingdom, that'll probably be a, a common occurrence as the, the grace and the goodness of Christ is reigning over all. We have no devil to stir up the flesh. We have no great tragedies that would, would give impulses to us and and peace, especially since peace is in our heart, how does the flesh fight against that? How does the flesh ever say, aren't you sick of this peace you got? Don't you want more anxiety or what? See, the, I just think so. The knowledge of the Lord will cover the earth and the presence of the Lord will be everywhere felt. Homes and hearts will be at rest. For God's long-promised world leader will be in charge of everything. And that will be why. That will be why for a thousand years, generation after generation, people will call him by these names. Wonderful Counselor. The Mighty God. The Everlasting Father the Prince of Peace. And Isaiah says it's going to last. Note this next thing, the durability and the quality of his kingdom. Isaiah says, for the greatness of his government and peace, there shall be no end. He will establish and uphold it with justice and righteousness forever. And then I say, it will be the nearest thing to heaven on earth as mankind will ever experience in this old world. Never on this old earth has there been nor will there be anything to match the millennial kingdom of Jesus Christ. It'll be greater and more peace-filled. It'll be more just and righteous than any before it. It will be overseen by one who will be called all those marvelous things. This is what's ahead for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's the fulfillment of the Father's long-standing promise, and he will come as the Father's promised world leader. And even though you and I are not going to be direct participants in it. So don't begin to imagine your apartment in the millennial kingdom. Before the millennial kingdom gets here, a lot of other things are going to happen. And one of them is the rapture. And the rapture is when Jesus Christ returns in the clouds to capture away his church, those who belong to him, those born-again believers, and whisk them off to heaven where they shall forever be with him and with those who have preceded them through death into his presence. And then comes the time of great trouble on this earth. 
and then comes the tribulation, and then comes Christ returning with the hosts of heaven to establish his kingdom. I think you and I will have a front row seat, but we're not going to be human beings on this earth. We're going to be glorified human beings enjoying the presence of God. But we can anticipate that day. We know that it's coming, and we can rejoice in the glory that is coming to Jesus Christ through it. Jesus knew that his own disciples would not get to directly participate in his coming kingdom. He knew there was a lot of time out in front of them. But here's what he said to them, and here's something that you and I ought to take note of as well. Note the availability of his kingdom. He said, Recorded in Luke 17, 21, the kingdom, the kingdom, the very thing that someday he's going to establish worldwide, the thing with all of the quality of it, the good of it, the joy of it, the beauty of it, the kingdom, he said already, he said to his disciples, it's within you. And what did he mean by that? He meant when, when we give ourselves to him as our Lord and Savior, when we are born again into the family of God, the Father and the Son send to us the agent of the kingdom. When the Holy Spirit enters into our life, he brings every quality that the kingdom will live out in public. He brings the joy. He brings the goodness. He brings the teachings of Jesus. He brings the ability to squelch our own flesh. He brings the ability of us to, to resist and have nothing to do with the devil. He brings into us the ability to become like Christ himself and enjoy all the goodness of the kingdom right within our hearts. And when we come together right within our fellowship, Christian homes can be little, little islands of the kingdom. Churches, congregations can be little gatherings of the citizens of the kingdom. And we can say to one another, at the best moments we experience in Christian fellowship, the very best moments that we ever sense of the Holy Spirit applying the truth of Christ to a situation in our life, we can say to ourselves, and someday on this earth, it's going to be all like that. It's going to be all like that. And Jesus, my Savior, will be honored by them all. And Jesus will be identified as, as a wonderful counselor and a, a mighty God and the everlasting Father and the very Prince of, of peace itself. And on his behalf, we can rejoice. And we will be aware of it as we are receiving the various kinds of uh, rewards and experiences that belong to glorified saints in the Father's presence. But right now, right now, think of it. Ask the Holy Spirit to sensitize you to it. The kingdom, the real kingdom, the real quality of life that has Jesus Christ controlling everything is right inside you right now. And by his Holy Spirit, we can experience all of that 
Jesus called it eternal life, the knowing of God so thoroughly that our life right now takes on that family character. You see, the kingdom within is the environment created in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And every aspect of the kingdom is there. So now that statement from Jesus himself leads us to today's final thought. Here we go. Our promise of the ages, that's Jesus, our promise of the ages by his spirit can fill our hearts with the goodness of the coming kingdom even today. Allow him to do so. How many of you raise your hand would prefer to live in the old fallen kingdom of this world? How many of you would prefer to have elements of the genuine kingdom of Jesus Christ just, just taking control of your life? So that anytime you want to enjoy the kingdom, you can just hunker down inside and say, oh, Spirit of God, just, just let me know you, feel you, live obediently to you, and uh, enjoy the kingdom even before it comes in a visible way. Heavenly Father, your, your gift to us in Jesus Christ is, is awesome. We know he started as a baby, and there's lots to talk about there. But Father, then he grew into the servant of God that you really sent him to be. The prophet to speak the words, the sacrifice to give his life the one who eventually would destroy the devil and put him away from your people forever. And now, Father, to the one who will one day take his rightful place as ruler of the earth. And then someday, even beyond that, in the new heaven, in the new earth, we will all enjoy him face to face. Father, these are awesome things. Thank you so much. Fill our hearts, encourage us. Don't let anything around us discourage us. May we hear his voice. Let him be our wonderful counselor. Let him be all that he would be. For we ask it in his name and according to your plan and by your spirit. We hope this message has inspired you to live the sun life together with us. If you are near Apple Valley, California this weekend, we invite you to join us in person Sunday morning or through our live broadcast. All the details are on our website at sunlifecommunitychurch.com.